Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Right on, on New Right Network and NRN Plus. We're very excited about our guest today, Peter Tickton, who I've met when I was running for U.S. Congress down in Florida, District 21, uh, who's a district down for me. Actually, your representative is Ted Deutsch, I believe, Peter. So uh, 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 you knew uh, our president, Donald Trump, personally. Uh, You've done numerous speaking events across the country. And uh, interested in the audience learning more about you, and I appreciate you reaching out to uh, come be on the show. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. So uh, why don't you give the listeners a little bit about your background, who you are, and, uh, and we, then we can get into the relationship you had with the president. Okay. Well, you know, I've been, I've been a lot of things. I've been a farmer. I've, been a, I've run heavy equipment. Uh, but for the most part, I've been a trial lawyer, and uh, primarily in the civil arena and all kinds of things across the board, from divorce cases to PI uh, cases, but mainly the eclectic kinds of things. So I've had really weird and strange kinds of cases over the years. A court TV trial, for instance, where uh, an organ procurement uh, supervisor forged the permission of a mother of a seven-year-old to take that seven-year-old's organs, and that child wasn't even brain dead. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that I tend to get, those kinds of cases. Uh, But my real claim to fame is the fact that I was lucky enough when I went to high school at New York Military Academy to get to know Donald Trump. And eventually in our senior year, he was my captain, I was his platoon sergeant, and I basically ran the company for him. So... I joke with people nowadays and tell them I ran his first company for him, Company A, but it it, it, uh, it, it was a military company, not a... Uh, Absolutely. Were you in JROTC then, or what was your... Uh, oh, my yeah. Sister was in, yeah, my sister was in JROTC. J-R-O-T-C. Yeah, we, it was just called ROTC at that point for us. And in fact, if uh, Donald would have gone into the service after high school, he would have gone in as a sergeant. I would have gone in as a corporal because he had five years of it and I had three. He, he was at New York Military Academy, NYMA, to all the graduates, we call it NEMA, uh, and the cadets call it NEMA. Uh, so at, at NEMA, it was a fully accredited ROTC school. We had government inspection. We had government M1s and uh, you know, we had uh, military training. And these are things that people don't know or realize about uh, Donald. Part of our training had to do with uh, military strategy as well, but mainly uh, formations, uh, different kinds of armaments, different kinds of uh, uh, of uh, defenses. You, you know what what one would learn in the service, Absolutely, especially with yeah. officer training. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's interesting how they uh, equivalent was put you into a much higher position. I think nowadays, you know, my sister, she's a captain right now working on becoming a major. 
but uh, she was enlisted when she uh, did ROTC at the University of Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, current, you know, they must have changed some of the dynamic there, which is really interesting. And then she ended up being recalled and she did a year in Iraq um, as a water purification specialist um, with the United States Army downrange. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see some of those parallels. So when you see the president now, uh, Donald Trump, and you see how he's grown over the years, you see that, you know, what he, what he was in high school to, to what he is now, what's your assessment of what's your, what do you think about your childhood friend? You know, it's funny you say childhood friend because you get to be, we're called men. You know, we line up in formation and it's all right, man. Uh, nobody calls us boys. Uh, nobody did when we were cadets. Uh, we were young men, but you know, you had to mature and grow up pretty fast in that kind of environment. And that's part of what, what we did. Uh, and it's funny, but you know, uh, I mentioned in my book that for parents of ch children who are grown, you know, we may see our, our sons and our daughters as the full grown people that they are, the men and women that they are. But the fact of the matter is, is we still see that child in them. And I know most people, almost everyone, when they see Donald Trump, they're looking at the man that's before him, the 74-year-old man that is uh, doing the job that he's doing, and they see how he comports himself. And when I look at him, I still remember him when we were 17 together. That still stands in there. And, and, and it, 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 in a great way, I'm able to understand him and understand what he's facing better because of that. Because I... I, I got to tell you, I'm sure that you still are a boy at heart. Uh, even at the age of 74, I'm still a kid. I'm still a boy inside. And the, the fact is, to know that child, or even to go back and know, understand know the child who was even younger, the one that looked at the stars one day and said, oh my God, there's more to life than I thought. Uh, there's eternity. There's infinity. Uh, and... The, 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 that frightened moment of a young child's life that most of us have had. Uh, but looking also at, the, at a young, uh, or a teenager, seven, we were together in the hockey, not the hockey team, the soccer team when we were uh, 16. And uh, that was as close as we were later in uh, A Company when I ran that. And you get to know somebody pretty well uh, through that kind of an experience because it's not just going to school. We lived together. And the school that we went to was one where the, the largest classes were 12 students. And it could be down to five students. The, uh, uh, we had that, we had the military part of it, and we had the living part of it. So it's all, it, it, it was all a major experience, not one that you could go home from. Now, Peter, when you were, uh, were you interacting with uh, his family and were your, was he interacting with your family or was this just more of, of uh, like high school friends and you were involved? But it sounds like, you know, being involved in hockey and other sports that you met his father and, and were you involved with other, some of his other siblings? I, I, never, uh, I never met his siblings. I met his mother and father, but it was only, uh, you know, it would be hello, Mr. and Mrs. Trump and passing. It wouldn't be anything that would have been even a conversation uh it wouldn't have even been to ask where they're going for lunch because that's the one time we could leave 
recently I was asked about uh, Mary Trump's book and is it possible that uh, Donald Trump che cheated by having somebody else take his SAT exams? And that was impossible. I, I know exactly where he was when I was asked, do I actually remember him sitting in the room? No, of course I don't. But I know exactly where he was because that's where we were. We went home for five days for a Thanksgiving break. We went home for a Christmas break. We went home for Easter break. And other than that, we were there. There was no time off, uh, no walking off to town to get a lunch. You were there. Uh, it was more like, in some ways, it was like a reform school. And in those kinds of ways, it was. So how do I know that Donald Trump was in the group of 100 of our cadets? Uh, that's how many were in our senior crank. Uh, class, the, at least up until the day of graduation. We lost one the day of graduation. But uh, 99 guys, that's what it was, that were in that room. And if anybody else were in there saying that they were Donald Trump, uh, everybody knew Donald. It would have been absurd. Couldn't have happened. It's impossible. Uh, so I, in, in, I'm not sure if I answered your question exactly. I think no, I No, absolutely. Now, one of the things I'm sitting here listening to you and just how things have changed uh, throughout the years. Uh, was that an all boys school? Did they have women in the, uh, as you say, ROTC, but my sister went through JROTC in high school and then in college she went to ROTC. What was the dynamic for women back then or was it totally different? So it's funny you ask because Donald, Donald came in like second for everybody's pal. Uh, another friend of mine, Cecilio Ariaga, he got everybody's pal. But, uh, we wanted Donald to have something, so we gave him ladies' man and the designation of ladies' man. There were only a few positions. Uh, he also probably could have come close to most likely to succeed, but we weren't looking at him from that point of view at that point. We just liked him. Everybody in the court, I, of all, all of my classmates, I don't have one classmate that has a bad word to say about Donald. But the fact is that we got him to be ladies' man. That's the position that we... We voted for him. And it wasn't like today where you vote, where you, you campaign for a position. It was just what the cadets around you, the ones that live with you, the ones that know you want you to have. And we wanted him to have that, but it, it, we all know it was a farce. There, there really are no ladies. We didn't have any girls in our classes. We had no, uh, my, my German teacher was, uh, uh, was uh, uh, the only lady I would see at all in my life. Uh, and uh, he didn't, he wasn't in that class, but he, he uh, I'm not sure what language he took, but whoever it is or whoever it was, he might've had some other person to see. But just to take the picture for the yearbook, we had to get somebody from the administration building to, uh, to take that picture with them. Uh, there were no girls. And uh, in, in fact, it wasn't that mixed of a school. We had a lot of guys that were Lat Latinos, a lot of Hispanics from Latin America, in fact, they were mainly uh, most of the hot, uh, the soccer team was made up of, of, of uh, a lot of those fellows and turned out to be very close. And Donald, the year he was on the soccer team, he was very close to all of them. Uh, but we weren't mixed as far as uh, until our last year, we didn't have any black students. We come from a different age. We came from an age when segregation was where the world was when we were children. Uh, where discrimination was something that was permitted. People are allowed to use the N-word. In fact, nobody would think much of it if most, of, most people would. It wasn't something that was in my vocabulary, and it certainly wasn't something that was ever in Donald's vocabulary. I mean, when I see people call him a bigot or 
uh, a feminist or anything like that, I mean, it's absurd. Uh, you know, when, when you, they say you don't know anybody until you live with them. I lived with them. And this man's not a bigot. Never had a bad are you Are you still friends with them to this day, Peter? Are you still in communication with them or he's too busy? He's too busy. Uh, I, I saw him about a year ago and, uh, you know, it's sort of like uh, there's love in our hearts because we go back. But at the same time, it's not like he asked me, uh, what should I do about Afghanistan? I, uh, you know, I don't even know if he knows that I know that there is such a place. Uh, you know, the, you know, we, we don't, we don't uh, talk about business. It's just, uh, it's just very good to see each other because we do go back. It's, it's, uh, it's probably the same for somebody who goes to their 50th uh, uh, reunion for high school or something like that. You see people you knew and that were really good people to you at the time. And uh, I do explain in my book some of the things about Donald that, uh, that caused me to have the loyalty that I have to him because of the kind of person that he was and the way he would help people. Uh, he was just an outstanding young person guy. I mean, when you look back and see who he was, that was outstanding. And then everything that he became since then, nothing less. Now, the school that uh, the president and yourself went to, is that a feeder school for the military? Did you serve? Um, what, what was the dynamic of the school when, as, as it translates to military service? Well, we, we had a certain percentage of our a class that would go on to uh, schools like Norwich or to uh, the U.S. Military Academy. Uh, I don't know of anyone who went to the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy. I don't even know if there was an Air Force Academy at that point. I think there was, but I, I don't know anybody that went there. Uh, but uh, no, we were in that way. We were much more like a regular high school. Uh, one of the things about New York Military Academy in those days, you can pretty well be assured if you worked hard and got decent marks that you were going to get into the college of your of your choice. And that that's uh, I, I think that Donald did, and I, I know I, I did, but then I went someplace else anyway. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I ended up serving the United States Army. I'm actually fourth generation military. I was born at Fort Benning. My grandfather served in Korea. His dad served. My dad was in Vietnam on the USS Kitty Hawk. Um, and then, you know, obviously getting out of the military and, and wanting to serve this country. You know, I was running for Congress down here. Um, what's the political sense coming into this election? What's your perception of what's happening and the erosion of our history of this country and how things are changing? Um, it's always good to, to move forward and have positive change, uh, but things are definitely different from uh, when your childhood and, and the childhood I had till now? You know, when I look at this, I, I look at it more from the Wayne Gretzky kind of point of view, of not going to the puck for where it is, but where the puck's going to be. I see us right now, uh, we're coming out of a, of a spike in Florida and in other parts of the U.S. from the uh, Wuhan virus. And uh, we can see that... Uh, that things are going to be improving. I think the month of September is going to be pretty good and October is going to be even better. Once somebody gets a job, you know, I don't know that they're going to want to go out and protest when they have to be at work the next morning. And being at work is, a, is not just a means of getting income. It's also a, a 
a, a way of having an identity, a purpose, a mission in life, have, ha, having self-respect, it, it, it changes who and what we are. And I believe that in two months' time, we're going to see a situation where Donald Trump will have succeeded in dealing with the, uh, with the virus. And I believe that, uh, I really believe that the, uh, the numbers are completely off at the polls. I don't know who they're asking, but the people that I know, uh, even a lot of Democrats, a lot of people that are traditional Democrats rather than people that are on the left of what used to be Democrats. I mean, it wasn't long ago that it didn't make that much difference. Al Gore, George Bush, really, how different were they? Now we got Donald Trump versus chaos. And I do believe that the electorate see this and they're disgusted uh, and what's going on in the streets. Uh, they, don't, uh, they don't like seeing all these things and they're quiet. But I think when push comes to shove, they're gonna be out there and they're gonna be voting and the silent majority isn't gonna be so silent this time around uh, as it wasn't so quiet last time around either. But to most of the people that are on the conservative side of the street, we look at this thing as that if we should lose this election, we lose America. I don't believe that there'll ever be another fair election in the event that Joe Biden and the people behind him should succeed and take the White House. Uh, I think it's gonna be going in the same direction that it went before, where uh, the government starts getting involved in politics in terms of uh, what they did in terms of looking at uh, and doing surveillance on Donald Trump. I think that it's just an indicator of exactly what permeates the entire uh, what's now called deep state. It might have be previously been just called the bureaucracy, but it's gotten to a point now where it's far more. And the world's gotten scarier. Uh, I see, uh, you know, where are we going with Iran getting as close as they are to being able to drop bombs on us? Where are we going with China who actually invaded our country? Maybe they, the virus was released, but most of the people that I know believe and know in their heart of hearts that they directed that virus to travel to the United States. And uh, most people that I know are very upset and frustrated at just the idea of China. That was an invasion. Sending a virus here is like sending a different kind of weapon. And they did this to us. And they're killing at least 155,000 Americans that we know of, and it might reach 200,000 Americans. Americans, we went to war in the Second World War for what, 3,500? casualties in Pearl Harbor. We went to war uh, in Afghanistan and then in Iraq because of about 2,000 deaths in the World Trade Center. And here we have what's going to be out to far in excess of 160,000 deaths due to this nastiness that China did. And why did they do it? They had to do it. They had to get Donald Trump out of office and anyone that was ever going to stop their progress. Because if we let this keep going with China, in all likelihood, we're going to end up uh, with them having a victory. And I don't mean just an economic victory. Uh, these people uh, are going to do and take whatever they need to. They, they, they are far ahead. 50 years ago, they took over Tibet because they knew the time was going to come, which it is coming, where they're going to need the water supply that otherwise would be going to India that's now already diverted to the Yellow River in China. 
So you're seeing all of these come, things come about. And if we don't have a very strong man that's looking for the benefit of Americans and Americans only first, uh, we're going to just give. We're, gonna, we're just going to lose. We're going we're gonna to lose this country and fast. Absolutely. Now we're on right on on NRN Plus. We have our guest Peter Tickton today. Thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, it's awesome. Um, when you talk about uh, what is happening with China now, the federal government had actually filtered money paying for the Wuhan lab. So when you talk about a threat here to the United States, our quality of life was something I served to defend and protect and as uh, thousands and millions of other veterans and uh, people serving in our military right now have done before us and, and they will after us, uh, this is a major problem. What's your view on that, on the government's involvement in some of these rogue nations such as uh, former President Barack Obama sending money to Iran, which was used to create EFPs and IEDs that killed American troops in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places around the world? Well, you know what? I, I can only reiterate what you're saying, and because and, it's so obvious on its very face, it doesn't take that much more. But when you look at that, how much, how much of that, what was it, one point one, one point three billion dollars went in cash? How much of that fell off the truck on the way there? How much did Barack Obama possibly get an advantage of because of all that cash that's untraceable and unknowable as to where it is and yeah, and, and who's benefiting from it. These, these are all kinds of questions we all have no answers to, but we definitely have the questions. I can't make an accusation because I don't know the answer, except for the fact that giving them $150 billion overall to basically use against us when we're trying to stem the tide, stop them from developing nuclear weapons and delivery systems. And now they're so close. I mean, I don't know that they've worked out the details of the ceramics that are uh, that were the one threshold that they needed to, to be able to get past for ICMB, ICBM missiles. But uh, but they very well may be there. I, I don't know. All I know is that we need somebody who's got the guts and lack of fear that Donald Trump has. I hope you read my book because you'll understand better, as you know and understand having been in the military, how it is that you lose your fear. You know, it's not that it, Donald Trump is brave, it's that he's fearless, and there's a difference between the two. And how is it that he's able to move an embassy uh, to Jerusalem when everybody else were, were stymied by the fear of doing that? Oh, if we do it, look at the ramifications. Oh, this is gonna happen to us. That's gonna happen to us. Oh my goodness, we better not do it after all. No, we need a president who's got the, the presence in mind to do what's right rather than the presence of mind to not do what's right because he's full of fear. Absolutely. Um, I look at uh, the state of the political arena right now, and we do need more veterans in office. We just did a live town hall, a candidate town hall with General Bulldog, who's running for U.S. Senate in uh, New Hampshire, and I'm a veteran who is running for office. Um, and our experiences have been, you know, kind of the opposite of what you would think. You know, we do need more leaders who have served this country. I spent three and a half years overseas. You know, we need people with those knowledge, skills, and abilities to be able to fight for the community and fight for the citizens in Congress in Washington, D.C. What's your assessment of that? Because what I came to realize is that 
a lot of people on paper, you know, say they respect military and they want military, but then instead of going to actually go ahead and, and put, you know, the support behind veterans, you have people going behind uh, people with no experience, no education, really, and really just, you know, somebody that's kind of a bot candidate that's kind of push button in Congress. Uh, you know, I was running and, and Laura Loomer got into the race and and actually, you know, having someone supported Laura Loomer over a veteran, you know, that's a difficult pill to swallow when you know that the information and the knowledge, the education, all those things are far superior. And it's kind of like Donald Trump. You know, he was facing a similar plight when he put his name in the hat. I mean, there was about 15 other candidates in there and down here in Florida, and we both were down here in South Florida, you know, they wanted Marco Rubio and, and Jeb Bush and they were all behind them. And, and it was like never Trumpers. And then all of a sudden, you know, then all of a sudden Trump gets into office and now you have this whole huge onslaught of people that are supporting the president. I believe that that's what we need in Congress. And we need more people that are willing to fight and do the right thing. Right. I don't know that you're three and a half years overseas as much as it was your basic training, but somewhere along the line, you became a real man. And you know what I'm talking about because you are one. And uh, I'm sorry that a lot of the audience will not understand what I'm talking about, even though they think that they're one. But it's, if you can go ahead in a fearless manner and do what you believe and understand to be right, not, not have the fog of, of the day in your head, but, but a clear understanding of what needs to be done, then you can get things done. If your whole attitude is uh, trying to get along and get by and not offend people and make sure you make the right connections and and so on, which is the way Congress works, uh, you know, then, then you're not the person that belongs there in this upcoming Congress. I think there's going to be a lot of people coming into Congress on, on the coattails of Donald Trump this time around. Uh, I sure hope so. Uh, the idea of, uh, of a Biden government, uh, you know, with the dictates of people like those on the squad uh, uh, helping to run things is just something that I just... Uh, I don't even want to go there for a minute in my mind uh, to actually live in that world and what's going to, what that world's going to be about uh, is is just untenable. I we need right now more than we ever did. We need Donald Trump as president of the United States. Well, right now there's a lot of talk that Florida's in jeopardy, as you know, down here in South Florida, which is major Democratic blue uh, network down here. It's huge. You got to look at all these people, Ted Deutsch. A.C. Hastings, Lois Frankel, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You have all these people down here. It's a stronghold for Democrats, which is surprising. But what has the Black Lives Matter, what is Antifa? How is this unrest over coronavirus? How is this going to affect Florida and other parts of the country? That's a great question. It's, the fact of the matter is, is all of these things, every one of these entities, including China, are uh basically giving it everything that they've got all nine yards of the uh you know of, of, of the, the the belt of bullets uh are are being are being thrown at donald trump everyone they're not going to do what they did last time where everybody gets a little bit of an effort it's like this time we've got to get rid of them so they're all giving everything that they've got i mean look what china did in terms of the, the virus i mean whether it was released accidentally we don't know although it coincidentally was released just when it became apparent that the immigrate uh, that the uh, the uh, his removal his impeachment 
rather, uh, was not going to come about. Uh, you know, or this removal is, is what part of it was not going to happen. So that's when the next phase had to take place. And that's when all of a sudden the world is hit with a virus. Uh, but look at what they, they're doing. They're doing everything they possibly can muster. They're, they're throwing at Donald Trump. And he's still going to prevail. And we need this next four years to get all these things straightened out and fixed so that whoever his successor is is going to be able to manage the world that he leaves after his presidency. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting, especially the voter fraud, to see what happens there. Uh, so you wrote a book about the president. What's the name of your book? What, what can your readers or the audience here at NRN Plus, if they watch the, uh, the interview, what would they be able to learn by reading your book? How do they get your book? How do they connect with you? What are all those uh, interesting factoids that uh, they'll be able to gain by, by getting okay. that information? All right. The name of the book is What Makes Trump Tick? And my name's Tickton, so there's a little bit of play on that, but that's what it's really about. And it's a fun book to read. If you don't, I, I tell people, I guarantee that you're going to laugh out loud at least once. Uh, the, it, it, it basically describes our life together at New York Military Academy in different, different episodes of things that have occurred. Also, it's, uh, it traces the, the last election in terms of a number of posts that were posted by me on Facebook. The first one that I did really took off. It was uh, reposted, uh, retweeted by, by Donald and uh, also by Donald Jr. And so uh, that, uh, that really grew legs and it's been estimated that up to 100 million people saw that particular post. I, I, none of the other ones had that kind of success, but they did get seen by, by new, high numbers. Uh, and it kind of, it's interesting to track what, what was going on in the last election and as you trace and track the present one. But the, but the, the narrative, the story of what happened to us at New York military is interesting. I mean, it was a different time. We come from a time when we had to hide under our dashboards of our cars as little children uh, when the sirens would blow because it could be an air raid. Uh, we come from a time when, well, in New York Military Academy, we were together for the Cuban Missile Crisis. We were uh, together when somebody came into our American history class and explained that uh, President Kennedy was shot. We, we went through, uh, we came from a different world than what we know today. Uh, the way the school was then in terms of its severity and the way we were treated could never occur today without people going to jail for doing what they did to us in those days with impunity. Uh, and what they did to us at that time was they created successful people, successful men uh, who were educated by the top, some of the best teachers in the world uh, and who were basically molded in such a way to win and be successful. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend corporal punishment to schools today. It's a different world, as I say, but it's very interesting and very good to know what President Trump went through and what made him the way that he is, because it's all relating to back then. I definitely see him now as the, the young man that I knew him of when he was 17. That's awesome. And where can people get the books? How can they connect oh, with you? Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good social oh, media yeah. handles. The easiest way is to go to amazon.com. And uh, 
or you can go to uh, whatmakestrumptick.com. But uh, they're already selling the pre-selling the book at this point at uh, at uh, Amazon.com. So watch. Awesome. Oh, there, please, yes. and please get the book. Uh, I, when people tell me they're going to get a book, I say don't get one, get five, uh, so that they can get because I know they're going to want to give it to people. Awesome. Um, if you had any words of encouragement, if you, the president called you today, what would you tell him prior to this election? And, and uh, once we're assuming he's going to win again, what would you tell him after he won? Uh, I, I would just say, first of all, I don't know where you get the energy you get. I don't know how you stand up and so peacefully, calmly deal with so many people who are trying to take a piece of you every single day. Uh, but please keep it up and stay strong. Uh, I would tell him, uh, I, I don't have any advice for him because it just so happens that he just, every time I've disagreed with him in a short period of time, I realize he's actually the one that's right. Uh, so I don't want to steer him at all. I just want him to, to continue to be strong and if anything, look after your health and have a good long life, especially the next four years. Be, may it be wonderful for you because then it's wonderful Absolutely. We need to get to, uh, into one of those Trump parades on the water. I was just uh, in Louisiana, Louisiana in the water, um, but those Trump parades are awesome that they're doing on the boat parades. And uh, so we definitely got to keep supporting uh, freedom in this country because, you know, we're one generation away from losing our freedom. And I think it's really important that we stay grounded. And also we need to support veterans who are trying to get into Congress and, and we need to fight for our communities and and right now we got to fight back against what's happening and uh i think our president has done a great job overall so we just need to continue that when and we gotta you know as i always say god bless america so thank you peter for coming on thank we you. appreciate and, you coming on thank you for your service by the way and god bless you too and god thank bless you america. so much peter You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.